there. Welcome back. I'm Karen Hall, your host of the Hero Within podcast. I'm passionate about sharing inspiring true stories of unsung heroes who've overcome some of life's most challenging adversities. Come along with me and learn how you too can find hope and healing to return to love. Today, Kristen Yaney, who wasn't a believer, distinctly heard God speaking to her. She shares her insights on healing, offering forgiveness, and grace. She tells of her courageous interaction with her father. And now, Kristen begins her story telling about God calling to her. So I was enjoying my time in Colorado, but honestly, it was like one of the darkest seasons of my life. I had a lot going on. And I just remember I was like laying in bed one day, like reading a book and staring out the window. And I felt God speak to me. And I did not believe in God, (laughs) did not believe in anything. Um, And so, you know, whatever vocabulary word that you choose, people have all different words for that. But source, whatever, something broke the third wall and spoke to me. And that had never happened before. <laughs> and, wow. Was it like, yeah. was it like so distinct that you knew that it wasn't just like your own thought? That's literally the best way to describe it. That's exactly what happened. And I was like, <laughs> like, what is that? There's like a, like a scripture or a verse that I've like read since. I mean, cause of course I'm like, who the hell is talking to me? And it's like, I think it's God. I should probably investigate. Um, it took me like years to actually believe in God, by the way. <laughs> it wasn't like a, oh, okay. I was like, mm, I'm very skeptical. We'll see. But yeah, that was like, in a lot of ways, like one of the beginning parts of my journey. But yeah, this thing spoke to me that I now call God. I try to talk about God in a way that feels authentic, that I think will connect to the person who needs to hear what they need to hear. Um, <laughs> But in my truest form, like I try to talk about God in the way that God talks to me, right? And I'm not quite sure why, but God speaks to me in a very Christian sense, which much to my chagrin, like I would have preferred so many other ways. And it was like, nope, like I would just like be like meditating or journaling and like write some stuff down and then Google it. Like, what is this? And it's like literally like it was like verse after verse, like scripture, biblical stuff. And I was like, like going crazy or like is God just trying to talk to me? Wow. Uh, wow. Deep calls unto deep, right? Like we know, like we are engineered, we are designed, we are made by some sort of creator. And like when that thing calls to us, like we respond, we know it. And that's for me, at least, it just kind of felt like something. And like one of my darkest hours, like it broke through the night and it called my name and I heard and I didn't believe in anything, but I kind of turned and was like, yes, God. <laughs> I still can't really explain what it was, but I know that was the beginning of uh, something really beautiful in my life. And so I felt that call uh, to move to New York. And it's kind of the last thing I wanted to hear at the time. Nothing that I thought would be my life in New York really kind of turned out to be my experience, but I'm still really grateful for it. It was really beautiful. And I got to really lean into learning how to use my creative voice. If I learned one thing from living in New York City is you're not the weirdest thing that someone is going to see today. You're just not. Yeah, it was an evolution because in the beginning I was saying like, no one cares about you. And then people were like, isn't that kind of like a depressing thought? I'm like, well, I find it quite liberating. I just found it fascinating because what you start to realize is when you live in a place with true diversity, 
there's just so much richness and texture, like the quilt, right? Like the textiles. And you just start realizing like how beautiful it is when each person comes and contributes what they have to say and what story they want to tell. I found going to open mic nights in New York City to be one of like the coolest things I've ever done and like the human experience. It's really big diversity of storytellers. <laughs> I did poetry for a long time until I finally worked up the courage to try comedy. So now I do both. <laughs> and the reason that I did that for me is because your heart is both. I mean, for me, poetry helps me process like the depth of my experience, right? Like I can go into tremendous amounts of pain or trauma or beauty or light. Poetry really just helps me go deep and resonant within. Poetry is definitely one way of exploring the deeper parts of my experience and that reflection. Some people are like going to sit and listen and read beautiful poetry and be brought to tears by your words. And other people do not want to do that. <laughs> like some people, like I'm like thinking of my dad. God love my dad. He'd be like, whoa. What are we? I gotta go. I gotta go out and mow the lawn. Like I don't want to. I don't want to do this, you know. And that's okay, right? Not everyone is right. called to like as deeply feel. It's like I feel like I have a message, right? Like there's a story to tell, or like a theme to explore, or something that I'm going through. And like, how do I, as a writer, break down the human experience? How can I offer back my lens or reflection on the world? Right? Poetry is one medium, but. Comedy is another, and some people are never going to be able to sit and process that deeper emotion, but you can kind of hit them with the one-two punch of telling a joke, right? Something I really feel passionately about. We talk a lot about healing right now, which is great. I thought the only way to heal was through this deep pain. Like I cried for seven years and I was just like out of tears. I was so tired of it. I'm like, I don't want to keep healing. It hurts. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And then it finally occurred to me or I had a point in it where it was like, how do we learn? Like, what is it like when I was like a little girl, right? And it's like, we learn through play and joy and laughter. And, you know, like a kid might fall and like skin their knee or, you know, cry a little, but then like they get right back up again and they're skipping or whatever. And I like just bringing in some of that like childlike nature and remembering mm -hmm. that we can also heal and grow and learn. Through play and joy, the only path to getting lighter is not suffering, right? We can actually do this experience in a different way. And that really like propelled me to start pursuing comedies because I just wanted to try laughing for a while. Right. Wow. That's really interesting because, um, you know, to have felt that pain for so many years and, and really suffering when you felt that, that deep pain inside. And, um, and it was like an epiphany when you thought about how children go about it. Yes, they, they feel pain too. Like when they fall or if their feelings get hurt or something, but they are so quick, very resilient and coming back. And they do learn, you know, with, with laughter and, and through play. I, I find that, that whole thing very interesting about, about that and the ability to find love, you know, again, they're very, very quick to be able to do that. So when you said in your calling, you felt like you had a message. What do you feel like is your message that you have to share? Yeah. Um, gosh, let me just say that was such a beautiful reflection that you just shared. I just don't want to skip over that uh, on how quick children are to find their way back to love again. 
mic drop. Because, <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> right. I mean, that is what we're doing, right? Um, so, yeah, that was really beautiful. Uh, my message. <laughs> yeah. If there's one overarching message that I feel like I have to share right now, it's just be yourself. Just be yourself. And I think, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, that's all that matters. <laughs> and right. I don't know where you are or most of your audience and listeners are in terms of a spiritual path. But we're all just on this journey, realizing that it's safe and comfortable and okay for us to be ourselves. And I think we get stuck a lot or trapped a lot, like when we start thinking too heavily about what is my purpose? Like, what is my purpose? What is my path? And it's good. I mean, I've been there too, right? I've Googled what is my purpose, like in bed at night. (laughs) A friend of mine called me one night when I was like literally typing that and she was like, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm Googling what is my purpose? (laughs) She was like, oh, that's easy. Like, it's to be a writer. Okay, have a good day. Bye. And like hung up. It was like, I think God called. Like, that was weird. Um, I mean, it was like a friend I like literally never talked to. It'd been like my life coach for a few years. And she just rang me up, did that, hung up. That was that. Um, you know, so it's like, oh, cool. Thanks for the validation, universe. I am called to be a writer. Great. Because like, yeah, I do feel like there's messages that I have to share and some wisdom that I have either garnered or been given right some people have different gifts like so yeah i feel like really lucky that in that sense like i'm able to use words and tell stories and paint pictures with writing but at the end of the day none of that really matters if i'm living outside of like my own integrity right and that's why i just go back to that time in new york like i really truly learned like how to just be comfortable being myself And it's still a challenge also in relationship. Like that's a whole other kind of challenging, right? A lot of my listeners are, they're trying to to find um, that place where they they love themselves. You know, they have self-doubt, they have fear. And um, a lot of times they have somebody that they're dealing with in their community that is difficult, either in their family or, you know, a loved one or work or some kind of a relationship. That is that makes it very challenging for them, and a lot of times when they're when we are around a person that maybe isn't as aware or maybe just not as thoughtful, maybe they're just a little thoughtless. Um, that that can just cause some pain. I think there's a, a lot of spiritual wisdom. And so when you were talking about the wisdom that you've gained, if you could speak to that, because a lot of a lot of people have trauma in their life. It's either a capital B trauma, it's big things. Or it's the smaller T traumas that, you know, we all go through those. And, um, but they all affect us where those relationships can be impacted. If you could share some things that maybe you've learned in your journey, that would be great. Sure. Well, I don't think you guys are going to love the answer. <laughs> mm. It's just forgiveness. That's it. It's forgiveness for ourselves and for others. Sometimes you feel broken off, you feel trapped in that wound, like you're not really fully connected, right? Like you've built walls or something has happened where you're like trapped in this place. And when you're still living in that place of unforgiveness, like you're really not able to be fully yourself and you can't be fully connected and you can't fully let love in. And I think when you focus a lot on the other, right? Like when you're still kind of living in that world where you're like, 
you're the victim and they have wronged you. Or even if you're a little more evolved and you're like, no, I can see that we've both caused our own hurts, right? Like we both have our own pain. We both have our own hurt, but yet you still can't find your way to forgive them, right? Like that whole thing is just so true. If like, we don't forgive them for them, like we forgive them for ourselves. We forgive for us and for them, but ultimately it's our own freedom that we stand to gain. And yeah, even when someone has just done something wrong, like it's not okay and there is no amends. I think like you just have to kind of trust like that's going to get dealt in a way, but it's not mine and it's not worth my own continued prison or pain of unforgiveness and suffering. Forgiving them is huge. And then there's layers, right? I don't think I knew how much I wasn't forgiving myself. Some of my pain and trauma, I was like, okay, I know that I'm holding a lot of guilt and shame, right? I am very much holding myself in this. Like I'm the guard (laughs) of this prison and I'm keeping myself in. But there were other places like forgiving my dad. I grew up with just a lot of trauma there. And he was a good dad, outwardly. Good dad. Good guy. But there was just a lot of emotional, verbal abuse and different things in the home. And, you know, he, he was doing the best he could. And I think that's part of the forgiveness process of seeing he grew up in a really abusive home and his dad, you know, like it can impact generations. And it's just like, he really did the best he could. And even though I have days where I'm like, what a jerk. (laughs) Like, can you believe he said that to a nine-year-old child? Like, that's insane. And then I'm just like, you know what? He had no model. He had no model. He did not know unconditional love. He did the best he could. At least I had one parent who like, you know, in the home kind of could give that like, you know, you kind of have to like break it down to this place of compassion. I realize there's still places where I haven't forgiven myself, right? I walk on eggshells because that's, I was raised like, don't have needs, don't be a burden, don't do this. And so I really didn't have much sense of self. And then now in my adult life, that really gets in the way of having personal relationships that's a place where I could go back and blame my dad, but I got to own my own part in that, right? Like he's not here. He's not doing that. Like I'm doing that. And so I think going into that place of like, where are you not forgiving yourself or not being compassionate with yourself? Um, Where you would absolutely do that a hundred times over for someone else, right? Like most of us who've been through a lot of trauma and pain, like we have bleeding hearts for like everyone else in the world. Um, And so for me, I think like one of my core words coming from my core wound is like acceptance. I want everyone in the world to know that I accept you and love you no matter what, right? I'm like, you belong here. Like you belong. You're like, oh, I just love you. Just be your unique self. And then like, you know, it's like the one thing that I like most need to learn. (laughs) It's that ironic. It's very interesting because you have compassion for your dad, even though you can see it illogically in your head. And you're one of the rare ones that you can say, wow, he's doing so much better than the way he was raised. And that helped you to have that compassion for him. But then to then take it, you know, in the day to day, like when you think back on what he said to that nine-year-old child, mm-hmm. or when you, when he says something even today, um, because <laughs> yes, the- it still happens. <laughs> Exactly. What is your process that that you go through? Like, could you give us an example of when you've had to kind of sort this out and what what your thoughts were and how you how you um, dealt with those feelings yeah. that you felt? 
Absolutely. Yeah. The word that comes to mind here is grace. (laughs) And again, like Christian or not, grace is a concept I think we can all get behind, right? It's like showing someone mercy, love, compassion, forgiveness, like giving them some breathing room, even if they don't deserve it, really. We're going to show you a little bit of grace here. Um, And, you know, my parents, like, God love them. I mean, I'm, I'm 35, right? Like, I'm not a child. But, you know, it's like their job is they want me to be safe and they continue to see their job in the world is to make sure that I'm safe. And I'm like, it's not really your job anymore. Like, I mean, I love that you guys are there for me and I'm fortunate and grateful to have that relationship. So I told my mom in confidence, hey, I'm about to quit my job. Like, I'm probably moving back to Seattle. I'm going to be making a lot of life changes. And I waited, I've learned, I'm not telling them until I am sure. Like when I'm sure, when my mind is made up, like that's when it's safe to let them in. And that's just kind of a boundary that I've had to hold because I've seen when I let them in too early, it can really start to mess with my head, right? So I'm like, nope, I need to be like good and clear and have this boundary. And that helps me have a good relationship with them when I have good boundaries for myself. Like, again, the boundary is not for them. It's for me. Like, what do I need? So that's where I had kind of leaned into. And so I told my mom. And then like a day or two later, I called my dad. And we had this whole chat, pretty nice, you know, whatever. And then right before we hang up the phone, he just goes, hey, don't quit your day job. And I was like, ouch, what? Like, I didn't even tell you that, right? Like, I told mom that I didn't even tell you that. And so in that moment, like... I felt, you know, it it was like literally like, you know, the knife to the heart feeling of like, he doesn't think I can do it. He doesn't believe in me. He doesn't think I'm being responsible. All of these like fears like started entering just immediately, as well as like kind of this feeling of betrayal with my mother. Like I told you that from a place of intimacy and trust. I didn't tell dad, you know, I didn't let him in, but mom told him for me. Which is fine, right? Like, I mean, that's their marriage. It's okay that she told him. I I wasn't like swearing her to secrecy. Sure. But the way it felt in the moment, right? It was just like, this is why I don't tell you things. And I was like, well, no guarantees. Like, (laughs) what to tell you? And he was just like, you know, you go to work every day. You get up, you go to work, you do your job. That's just what life is. Like, that's just life. Just do it. Don't quit. And I'm like, all right, I gotta go. Like, you know, like hang up. And I'm just sitting in this park, like spinning out. And, you know, deep in my gut, like deep in my like most sacred part of my soul, like I've had to really do this work to reach in and be like, there's more. Like there is more. A lot of people do do that. I know that there is more juice to my life. There's more nectar in here that like there's more goodness that I am not getting. And I've been (laughs) doing coaching for years. I have like taken a thousand little baby steps to like lead me up to this place. And all that was left for me to do was like jump, you know, but I had packed my parachute. I did everything that I needed to do to get there. And he wasn't really part of that journey, you know, and that's part of the problem. It's just like, you're not really in that intimate place with me to have any input on my decision. Like you've not come along for the journey. So really kind of unwelcome. I'm not looking for your opinion here. Like, I would love your support. I want a relationship. I did not ask your opinion. Um, And so I really thought about it a lot. I posted in like a group, like a coaching group. I was like, I just need some like reinforcement here. So that was step one is like 
I am a genius because I have created community for myself, even if you have to pay for it. I've gotten myself in like-minded community and people. And and honestly, like the outpouring of support from those women was incredible, right? I was able to read some of those comments and just feel a lot more like grounded. But in that moment, I was feeling particularly safe. And I think that just goes back to that deepened trust I have with myself. I haven't always had that. But I was feeling particularly safe and grounded and supported. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to send them a text. And I sent them a text and I just said, hey, I know it wasn't your intention, but the impact of you saying that, it wasn't from a place of intimacy. And I was like, and I know that it wasn't your intention, but it's not going to change my behavior. Like I'm still going to do what I'm going to do. But it does make me a lot less likely and willing to want to let you in with what's actually going on in my life. And I sent that text. And like, my dad can tend towards being a bit of a narcissist. Um, Wink, wink. (laughs) So I really didn't know what he was going to say back, right? Like he could have just attacked. I had no idea. But I sent it off. And like, I don't know what happened, but it reached him. Like it got him. And he wrote back and he was like, Oh my God, baby, I'm so sorry. Like, no, that's not what I meant to say. And I'm like, I could probably count on one hand the times in my life my dad's actually apologized. Wow. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God. Like he genuinely said he was sorry and that wasn't what he meant. And then he kind of made a joke and he's like, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. He's like, but I'm your father. And he sent me a Star Wars, like I am your father, like meme or something. Yeah. And I I laughed and I sent him back a little eye roll, like, I know you love me and that's what you're trying to do here. And like, it was just so cool because I left that interaction and I was like, wow, like I held firm. I stood up for myself. I wasn't super reactive. And I was able to kind of tell him like from my deepest, truest place, like this is the impact and the outcome of what you did. And it just kind of is only going to drive me further apart, which is probably the opposite of what you're looking for. And then I got an apology and we were able to kind of come back into relationship, like through the little jokey, you know, whatever. And it was just like one of the coolest experiences I've ever had with my dad. And I I mean, it could definitely have gone either way, right? And the tricky part of dealing with someone who might be a little bit of a narcissist or different personality types, like I could repeat that experiment tomorrow and have a completely different outcome, right? Like if he was having a bad day, I don't know. But for me, I just counted it as such a win because I really like in sending the text, like I didn't send it because I was hoping for an apology. I sent it because I felt like I needed to speak my truth. And that isn't always the case. Like I don't always have to say the thing. But at time I was just like, God, I'm doing something really hard and scary here. And if I don't say this back. I feel like I'm imploding a little, right? Like I'm falling apart. And I was just like, no. <laughs> I don't receive that. Like, thank you, but no, no, thank you. That's not mine. Like, that's yours. Thanks to each and every one of you. We are now being listened to on every continent and we have over 1100 downloads. Wow. You'll want to hear the rest of the story to hear what happens with Kristen and her father. Stay tuned for part two. you so much for being here and listening to today's show. I know life is busy. I appreciate you and value the time we spend together. If you enjoyed this message, please subscribe, leave a review, 
and include any questions you have for our guest. I'll read your review and mention you by name in my Thursday episode. See the show notes to get the link to join our Facebook group, email list, and to listen and watch our episode on YouTube. Wishing you lots of love in your own hero's journey. Thank you.